0: I got one minute. Gives you guys time to sit down. <laughs> or not, I don't care. I mean, you stand up. Okay, I've got several announcements today, so I'm going to do the bulletin first, so pay real close attention. Children's church, youth, men's ministry, men's breakfast, heart-to-heart, uh, prime timers, Sunday morning service, Sunday night service, Wednesday night service. Okay, that's it. That's the bulletin. It's in there. And, and, and I'm just going to leave it up to you to read it. So I got some other stuff that I want to get to for sure, so I don't want to take too much Brother Rick's time. He said if I get too long, he'll be here till 1230. <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> we don't care. <laughs> All right, okay, maybe 1 o'clock. All right. Several things. Um, We had a great Bible study yesterday, by the way, for the guys. We're studying in Matthew, and um, it's really good discussion and learning about the Word for all of us. So if you ever want to think you want to do that, uh, come to our Bible study because it really turns out good. (laughs) Okay, first of all, I'm going to regress to something or digress. What do you say? I want to thank all the members. This is the last Sunday that we do not have a full-time preacher. So, I mean, so, and, and so to, to catch up with that, I want to say thank you to Brother Gary, Brother Dan, Miss Emily Cross, Miss LaDonna, Brother Ron, Brother Lynn, and Merle. Now, if you guys want to stand up, you can. If you don't want to, you can sit there. But I want everybody in the audience, for the last 11 months, we have done dozens of resumes, dozens of interviews, hours of prayer, hours of online sermons to listen to, and meetings, 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 meetings. So, for all of that, everybody give them a big hand. thank y'all now then one more time for all the congregation you guys have prayed for us you've encouraged us you said thank you you've helped us you stood by us and fought the fight and hung in there tough even when it looked like things were bad and we appreciate all the prayers all the thank yous all the stay in there and hang in there and it's going to get better and all that kind so now then for yourself give yourself a hand because that's it's worth it too Okay, here's a couple of things, uh, business-wise. We're about through with everything on the inside of the parsonage. Who said yay? All right, now then, I got a yay. Here we go. Now then, we need it cleaned. We've been cutting in there, we've been painting in there, we've been working in there, and from the ceiling to the floor, from the outside of the windows to the inside of the windows, Dust, clean the floors, clean the carpet, clean the kitchen, clean everything. So I'm going to throw somebody under the bus right here. Christy, stand up. (laughs) Stand up. Okay. She is going to coordinate this. If you want to help, get a hold of her. And you all set up a time. It cannot be Monday. We're having the last little bit of paint put in at Monday. Do not do Monday. But any time after that, you guys can get together and clean. And like I said, we've been cutting in there. We've been sanding in there. uh, All kinds of stuff. uh, But we need it cleaned top to bottom and side to side so that when they get there, everything will be ready for them to get there. I'm sorry? I'll tell you in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Another thing that we need to do is all the stuff that we're doing for Pack the Pantry. We need to get it moved out there. So if you ladies want to help clean it, if y'all meet here to help pack that up, haul it out. If you don't have a key, we'll get you a key. And if we can't find a key, we'll pick the lock. <laughs> it's all right. Anyway, okay, that's part of it. Okay, now, you guys, this this is kind of funny to be honest with you. Pastor Marcus is going to come. He's leaving there the 5th, that's Wednesday, okay, he's leaving there Wednesday, he's driving 2,000 miles in four days, that's 500 miles a day with two dogs, three kids, and a wife, 500 miles a day, so my request is pray for this guy, <laughs> I mean, I still
1: be saved by the time he gets there. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's like
0: they're going to be here uh, Saturday night, Sunday morning. He's going to be wore out, but he's going to be standing in this pulpit preaching. So remember him in prayer every day because I mean, and I'm I'm teasing about the dogs and the cat, but he is driving 500 miles a day for 4 days to get here, and that's that's where some prayers right there, guys. So uh, just keep that, in, keep that in your mind, okay? Uh, another thing that is really on our hearts is next Sunday night, we're having a cookout. Brother John and... Where do you go? Oh, he's outside. okay? And Brother Bob are doing a cookout. So what we need you all to do is we need you to bring all the stuff that goes on hot dogs and hamburgers like onions, pickles, mustard, mayonnaise, uh, Anything else you want to bring, baked beans or whatever, and dessert. (laughs) So if we don't have pickles and mustard and mayonnaise, that's okay. But bring dessert. (laughs) Okay. Uh, We have a couple of more projects in the parsonage, but we're nearly done. If somebody wants to do some sheetrock work, we have about four pieces of sheetrock we need to put up in the uh, storeroom and finish that out. We still have some plumbing to do. Uh, we still have a little bit of fence work to do. But if you're interested, itch- oh, I thought somebody said something. But anybody that wants to help with any of that, we're starting in the morning again probably about 9.30 to 10 o'clockish, ish and going to try to get as much done as we can. It all has to be done by Friday. He's moving in. He'll be here Saturday. His clothes and everything will not be here until the 11th. So he's staying in a motel until then, but on the 11th, everybody that wants to, we'll be glad for you to gather up out at the Parsonage and help unload his, this is a cargo container. I think they're shipping it down via a boat and from Los Angeles over to here. So we, we will get together and unload it and get him moved in, and then come pick the container up. So keep that in mind, too. That's on the 11th that he'll be here, and we're gonna need a lot of help because it's gonna, gonna be full. All right, that's all I have. Anybody got anything else they want? Okay, guys, with a heaven with an offering? Pray, right? Okay, Julie keeps me straight. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to stand in your presence, Lord. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you'll keep us well, keep us safe, Lord, that we'll walk in your will. Heavenly Father, in all that we do. We pray, Lord, that you will bless this offering now and use it for the glory of your kingdom and for the glory of your people, Heavenly Father. And that all that it has is for, Lord, that it will be blessed by you and it will all succeed. In Christ's precious name we pray. Amen.
2: Okay, y'all get on your feet. We're going to praise this morning. Hallelujah. We had kind of a crazy practice, but usually crazy practices mean wonderful services. So we're expecting y'all to anticipate with us what God has this morning. Father, we thank you this morning, God, for the presence in this house. Father, we thank you in advance for what you're going to do today, God. We pray that you will hold absolutely nothing back, God. Surprise us this morning with something new, something fresh, God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
3: There's a light in the window The table's set with splendor Someone standing by the open door I can see the crystal forever Well, it must be near forever Cause I've never been this homesick before Well, I see the bright light shine It's just about home time Father standing at the door This world has been a wilderness I'm ready for deliverance Oh, Lord, I've never been this homesick before I can see my family gather Sweet faces so familiar No one's old or feeble anymore This lonesome heart's been just about home time and I can't see my father standing It's just about home time And I can't see my father standing
2: I just want to thank you this morning god that that day is drawing near god but until we get there lord the promise that you never leave us and never forsake us is always there god This morning, Keep going. <clears throat> just to thank him this morning for all that he's done for us. For all that he continues to do for us. Father, we don't ask for anything this morning, God. We just come with praise and adoration to your name, God. Father, if we take the time to think about God... To think about how you're always there for us, it's a little overwhelming, God. We take it for granted, God, that every step we take, you're walking side by side. And for miles and miles, you've probably carried us, God, until we get our footing back. Father, we just want to thank you this morning for who you are.
3: My greatest defense. You lead me from the dry wilderness, and all I did was praise. And all I did was. Stay still Stay still Lord, we are still in your presence. Lord, you want to come ahead,
2: brother Rick? We're still, Lord, this morning in your presence, God. Thank you, Jesus. Have your way.
1: I have not asked of you to do something which was impossible for you to do. Rather, I have called my people to walk in my presence, to walk in obedience, to offer worship and praise unto my name, to lift up my name, to serve me, to worship me. I call again to my people and I say, look not to what you can do, Look not to what you understand, but look to me. Thank you.
3: Thank
1: you. Hallelujah. Thank you,
3: Thank
1: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we're so grateful for your presence yes. Yes. today. So grateful for your presence today. Hmm. Father, no reason for us to show up if you're not here. We lift your holy name. We lift your holy name. We lift your holy name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus thank you so much this morning julie the praise team band it did a great job this morning thank you so much i'm glad you're here yeah go ahead and be seated <laughs> i'm excited for you that the new pastor will be here next week hallelujah i told you last week we pastored for thirty two years um, When I took the church, the first Sunday we were there, we had 67 people. Now, to be fair, Weatherford had at one time ran about 250, 275 people. And then we encountered what they call the oil bust. We all like the oil boom, None of us enjoy the oil bust, and the city of Weatherford lost uh, a large portion of the oil jobs. Um, Weatherford has a a university, Southwestern Oklahoma State University. We also at that point had what was called the uh, 3M plant. They manufactured floppy disks. So, <laughs> they had another part of the plant that manufactured 35 millimeter film. So, the oil bust was triple fold. I mean, it, a lot of jobs were lost. The three implant laid off about 2,000 people. Um, And so the town really struggled. And it was during that point that the pastor previous to me uh, watched as the church went from about 250 people down to about 60 people. And uh, he stayed through all of the oil bust. And so I I came in on the tail end of that. And God blessed uh, in, in that 32 years in pre-pandemic. How many of you understand that term nowadays? Um, pre-pandemic, uh, we had about 700 people. So God blessed very, very abundantly. The city of Weatherford, it's got a college and or university there. The average age for the whole city is 26. Because of 5,000 college students, you have a town of of 12,000 people, and over half of them are 18. It brings the average way down. God blessed, and and for a number of years, uh, the average age in the church was 27. So we had a very young uh, congregation. God blessed us for two reasons. Number one was our missions giving. Our missions giving went from $8,600 a year in 1990 until 2022, uh, about $450,000 a year. The second reason that God blessed was because of the unity within the church. Uh, in 32 years with a board of seven men you got to catch the gravity of this in 32 years with a board of seven men we never had one split decision every vote was unanimous That in and of itself is a miracle. We made some changes that allowed things, I feel, to be more uh, in line with uh, unanimity. Uh, Our business meetings, our annual business meetings, took less than 10 minutes. We didn't do a lot of voting on things, that's why people elected deacons. And the deacons were indeed Aaron and hers, they upheld my arms to make my job easy to do what God had called us to do. And it was through that unanimity when I began making preparations to step down and I I knew it was time. Uh, John Maxwell, this is not the message, That's another three hours later. Um, When I began making the preparations to step down, we we made the decision that it would be by way of transition. Uh, I had a staff of seven people and uh, a board of seven men. I knew it was time to step down. John Maxwell says that a pastor only attracts, not only, but primarily attracts people who are between 15 years younger and 15 years older. I'm in a college town where the average age was 26. According to John Maxwell's principle, I would only attract people between the age of 53 and 83. It was time for me to get out of the way. And so uh, we began making preparations for me to step down and in doing so we felt the Holy Spirit was directing that our college pastor, our Chi Alpha pastor, and we were different than statewide uh, Chi Alpha, our Chi Alpha pastor was not a home missionary, he was on our staff. Uh, He was part of of our church rather than just a part of of the home missionary uh, field. But we felt that he was the one next in line. He was not quite yet 30. uh, And yet God was directing so powerfully. People who didn't even know that I was preparing to step down started sending me emails. And they said, you know, we want to say thank you for hiring our college pastor because he seems to carry an incredible anointing. And God began to move things and to work things, and, and another associate, uh, he took another church about 45 miles away and cleared the way for the college pastor to, to, uh, to be uh, raised up, and he became pastor, and I can, I can say in the year, a little over a year that we have been gone. The church has now grown. It's added new young families. The finances are up. They thoroughly remodeled the whole building. Yes, it needed it, but I wanted somebody else to do it. (laughs) (laughs) And so uh, that way I could say, you know, it's not my circus and not my monkeys. Y'all do it. And God is just blessing in an abundant way. But again, I'll, I'll lay it back at the feet, and, and I'll, this is this is not part of the message either. But several years ago, we decided. Well, we needed a new auditorium. The old auditorium seated 250 people, and at that point in time, we were running between four and five hundred. And so we, we had knocked out side walls and added overflows. We had taken out the pews and put in chairs because you can seat more people with chairs. And so we had done everything we could do to boost putting more people in. And and, uh, we knew that we needed to build a new facility, so we hired a company that came in and looked everything over. They counted parking spaces. They counted the kids in 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 the nursery. They counted kids in children's church. They looked at the number of classrooms. They looked at how many toilets we had. I mean, they did everything. They looked everywhere. And then they came back with a report to tell us what we need. And they said... If you build a new auditorium, you will destroy the church because you don't have enough parking, you don't have enough classrooms, you don't have a big enough nursery, you don't have a big enough children's church, you sure enough don't have enough toilets. And they said, but if you insist on building a new auditorium, it'll cost you $6 million for a 600-seat auditorium. We had been out of debt for a number of years at the church. That just seemed impossible. And you know what? I read that report to the board, and there was a motion that we table discussion about a new building, and we didn't bring it up for years. Instead, after about three months, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. He said, well, you're not utilizing the building you've got. And so we moved from the auditorium into our gymnasium. Actually, I called it our cafe (laughs) gymatorium. Because it's where we ate, it's where we played, it's where we had youth, it's where we had church. It was everything. And so we would set up chairs for every Sunday, Wednesday night, It was strictly for the teenagers and the children. We would tear everything down Sunday night, use the building throughout the week, set everything back up on Sunday. Well, after about two years of that, we were tired. And so the thought hit me Why not turn the gym into a full-time auditorium and build a new gym? Because I could build a gym a whole lot cheaper than I could build an auditorium. And so we made the plans and the decision. We could remodel the gym into a full-time auditorium. We could build a brand new gym, including like 12 new classrooms and a big auditorium for uh, the youth group on the back of that. We could add a new entryway connecting the the, uh, educational wing and the gym. So it would now be a a big part of the whole church. We could do everything for about $1.6 million. Now, I wasn't real good at math, but I figured 1.6 million sounds better than 6 million. We needed to raise $1.2 million cash. And so we began a capital campaign of $1.2 million raised over the course of three years. One of my associates came to me, and and one of the organizations that we had worked with an, an awful lot was One Hope. One Hope is the organization that prints the Book of Hope. The Book of Hope is Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the first two chapters of Acts. It's in a modern translation. It's in a local, or a modern version, I should say, translated into the local language. It's in a magazine format. There are articles and stories added about the troubles and the trials that teenagers and children have. And it's distributed through the schools in 141 countries. Okay. We had taken, at that point in time, we had taken 38 teams overseas to distribute the Book of Hope. And so we were going to make up a T-shirt. We were planning another team, going to make a T-shirt with a world map, and we were going to put little dots everywhere that we've taken a team. And, and so we're working on this, and I called One Hope, and I said, can you tell me how many Books of Hope has life fellowship distributed over the course of the last 27 years? And their answer, 1.2 million. And so when we had our, our banquet for our capital campaign and, and finished raising the money, God gave us. 1.2 million dollars. He gave us a dollar for every child that we had reached around the world. Now the statistics are with a book of hope, when you hand one to a child, five people will read it. Yeah, that's right. And out of every five people who read a book of hope, one of them will accept Christ. So basically, for every book you hand out, somebody is going to be saved. So we had been a a partner in seeing 1.2 million people won to Christ. God gave us 1.2 million dollars. Now, anytime you go into a capital campaign, and maybe you already know this because you've got a beautiful facility. Anytime you start raising money for a project... There are people who find it's easier to get mad at the preacher than it is to pay your pledge. Some of you, you're looking at me like a tree full of owls. Sometimes people find it easier to get mad at the preacher than it is to pay the pledge. So they get ticked off and they leave. Every building fund goes, building campaign goes through it. People had told me it's going to happen. Pastors had warned me. They said, hey, I've been through it. I know this is what goes on. And I said, no, no, not my people. Uh Uh-huh. And sure enough, there were about 20 people got upset with me. And they they accounted uh, for... um, I, I think it was $150-something thousand dollars worth of pledges that walked out the back door without paying them. But I'll tell you the integrity of some people. When we got to the end of the three years, I had people in the church, including board members, who came to me and they said, Pastor, we know that some folks left and we know they didn't pay their pledge. Would it be all right if we keep paying our monthly pledge for another year? So that when, at the end of four years, we had actually collected $1.3 million, not 1.2. I had had pastors tell say, well, you're only gonna get about 80% of what's pledged. No, I got 110% of what was pledged. We were able to build that new, we, and, and he worshiped in, in the new facility and from that God gave us a school. We had a school a kindergarten or pre-kindergarten through third grade. We had a, a Mother's Day Al program four days a week, had about 65 kids that were involved in that. Uh, in the old auditorium, rather than let it go to waste, we started a Spanish church and they run about 250 uh, in, in the Spanish church. And I have no idea if they're happy or not because I can't understand what they're saying. Um, anyway that's the story of life fellowship and I tell you that because you guys are on the verge of being able to see a fresh move of God and it's going to hinge on two things whether or not you cooperate in unity well that was everybody but three Keep your eye on those three. And whether or not your church gets involved in winning others for Christ. Yeah. Since I was here last Sunday, uh, we've made a big change in ministry. Uh, this week I accepted the position of men's director in light for the Lost director with the Oklahoma District. And so uh, I'm trying to see how many part-time jobs I can get in retirement. Surely there's a world record out there somewhere. Um, But anyway, let's get to the message this morning. And I'll I'll talk quick if you'll listen quick. How's that? All right? Uh, This message came from a four-part series, okay? And I felt the Lord leading for this part this morning because actually your church plays a part in the message this morning from 1982, okay? Some of you weren't even born in. <clears throat> Every February for 32 years at Life Fellowship, I preached the same sermon on tithing. Same message every February. I had people that could probably preach it better than I could. And the last probably 10 years, that message became part of a three or four part series on finances and blessings. But nonetheless, it was a message on tithing. And that would have been part four of this series. And I want to share part three. I I started out thinking that I would do the new pastor a favor by preaching on tithing this morning. But then I did some, some praying and considering. The reality is that a high percentage of you must already be tithers. Or you wouldn't be able to keep a facility such as this. So while a message on tithing is great confirmation. Maybe we could take it a step further. That's where we're going this morning. So I'm I'm just going to give you initially here. um, These are some principles that we need to learn from God's word. Okay. Uh, First of all, God designed the law of sowing and reaping on purpose purpose. The harvest depends on which seed and how much seed. And I use the illustration that if corn is really high at planting season, and so the farmer runs out and he plants his 160 acres in corn, and then when it's time to harvest the corn, the price has bottomed out. But watermelons are high. He doesn't have the option of showing up at the co-op saying, I know this looks like corn, but it's really a watermelon. Doesn't work that way. The harvest depends on which seed and how much seed. Our circumstances do not change, cancel, or mitigate God's principles. And I'm gonna be rude. Buckle your seatbelt. God doesn't give a fruit loop what you think. Amen. You ever been talking to somebody about things that of God and they says well I think yeah. <laughs> <laughs> every seed produces fruit after its own. Kind. Again, can't plant corn and harvest watermelons. You have to have the faith to sow what's in your hand now to set the principle in motion for the harvest that you need tomorrow. The seed outside of the soil cannot grow. I think it was about fourth grade. They gave every kid in the class a bean. And we were supposed to plant it in a little Dixie cup. And we were supposed to, you know, give it a little bit of water every day. And we would watch over the days and the weeks, and it would sprout up, and, and it was supposed to be a fascinating lesson, you know, in agriculture, how all of this happens. The problem is that there's guys like me that are ADD. I didn't want to wait. So I like dug my bean up every day and looked at it. And I didn't understand why everybody else's bean was sprouting. And my stupid bean was just sitting there. I wanted to blame it on the bean. Okay, that went over. God seldom gives it to you finished. He gives it to you as a seed. God said every seed you sow has a time attached to it. A season. Father, this morning, ah, it's good to be in your house. Your presence is rich this morning. Our time of worship, Lord, was sweet to be in your presence. Open our hearts and our minds and our ears to hear what you and the Spirit has to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, to understand kingdom principles, we have to understand farming. And if you don't understand the parameters of how farmers live their lives, then you miss the revelation that Jesus is trying to teach us. Now, here's some key scriptures. We're going to begin this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I believe it's the amplified version includes in parentheses, but He'll take some from grouches. Verse number eight, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Now, let's go back and see where this began, okay? Genesis chapter 8. And beginning at verse 21, it says, and the Lord was pleased with the aroma of sacrifice and said to himself... I will never again curse the ground because of the human race, even though everything they think or imagine is bent toward evil from childhood. I will never again destroy all living things. This is at the end of the flood, okay? He's just gone through this big thing with Noah, and now they're off the boat, and he's made the promise, and God's given the rainbow. Verse 22 says, This is the Lord speaking. As long as the earth remains, there will be planting and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. You say, do you believe in climate change? I believe the climate has changed a whole bunch. But I also believe this earth is going to last as long as God needs it. And there's always going to be planting and harvesting. There's always going to be hot and cold. And there's always going to be summer and winter. And there's always going to be day and night until God says, I'm through. All right. There's my political correctness. In 2 Corinthians, it says remember these things now Genesis couples words together like planting and harvest planting and harvest planting and harvest some of the translations use the phrase seed time and harvest but it means the same thing it was never designed for you to hold your seed right. sowing was expected You may be a farmer with a barn full of seed, but if you don't put it in the ground, you're never going to have a harvest. You can have a seed and not sow it, but the consequences are that no matter how long you hold that seed, you're never going to see a harvest. Now, here's take-home principle this morning. Number one, you cannot hold or you can hold your seed, You can eat your seed. You can wear your seed. I'll add, you can watch your seed. Big screen. But if you don't sow your seed, you'll never reap the harvest. Now this is going to help somebody here this morning because right now you can't figure out why it seems that other people are being blessed. Other people just like you seem to have more than you have. In fact, there's some people you know they don't make as much as you do and yet they seem to, to live a more blessed life. Now pay attention to this and don't get upset what I'm going to say. I can say... Sometimes people spend all their time praying about being blessed when they should be plowing. Hmm. I didn't see anybody bringing in tomatoes, so I don't think you can hit me with anything. Some folks spend their time praying when they ought to be in the field, digging up dirt and planting seeds. Instead, they're constantly begging God to meet their need. But it's seed time and harvest, planting time and harvest time. If you have seed, it must be used for its intended purpose in order for it to produce a harvest. I usually only use this line when I'm preaching a missions convention, but it fits right here this morning. Not everything God gives you is for you. Right. Okay, that's not going over either. Well, let's see. Maybe page three. The purpose of a seed is to sow it so that it can produce more after its own kind. Here's principle number two this morning. God does not require you to plant a seed that he has not already provided. Now some of you right now are so discontent with the season that you're in, and God keeps saying that you're holding your future in your hand right now, and you keep looking at the seed that could change your future, but the problem is that you've been eating your seed, or you've been wearing your seed, or you've been living with your seed for so long you no longer recognize it as a seed you got to sow that seed. You sow the seed of your life. You need to sow the seed of your influence. You need to sow the seed of your service. Maybe the reason that God's not giving you more influence is because you don't sow the seed of the influence you have right now. Maybe the reason God doesn't give you more finance is because you won't sow the financial seed that he has already given you. When I was growing up, I grew up in in Bethany, the Oklahoma City area, and my dad ran a body shop, okay, repaired automobiles, and my dad would buy an old beat-up car, and he'd fix it up paint it, clean it up, make it a nice vehicle again. And so almost every weekend, my dad would have a car sitting in the driveway of our house with a for sale sign in it. He would run an ad in the, in the newspaper back then. You know, the, the Sunday Oklahoman came out on Saturday, and which I thought was strange because if you knew the news, what was going to happen on Sunday, if you knew it on Saturday, you wouldn't. But anyway... Dad would run an ad in that Sunday, Oklahoman, and, and he'd list the phone number there. And I was about maybe eight, nine years old, and, and Dad told me that he would put that ad in the newspaper on, Sunday, on Saturday, and then on Sunday morning, he would pay tithe on what he needed to make off of that car. Paying tithe in advance. What a novel idea. You know what? Almost every Sunday, I, I don't recall a Sunday that it didn't happen. Dad sold the car for what he needed to make on it, and I learned from that lesson. And, and more than once in our life, Christy and I, when back when we were evangelists. We would pay tithe in advance on what we needed the offerings to be that week in the church. It's the only way we could make budget. Seed time and harvest. Back in 1980, we decided we would, at that point we were living in Duncan. We had worked with Teen Roundup for... Uh, several years and we had traveled as evangelists at the same time and we left Teen Roundup, we were going full time as evangelists and we needed to sell our home there in Duncan so we put our house on the market and the day we listed our house with the real estate Halliburton laid off a couple of thousand people and the housing market We took everything out of our house. We put it all in storage because we didn't want to be out holding revivals in California. And the realtor calling, and say, hey, sold the house. You need to move tomorrow. <laughs> so we put everything in storage. We were, had a travel trailer that we took with us and, uh, for our, our ministry. And, and so we moved into the travel trailer. We were thinking the house would sell almost immediately. The house stayed on the market for two and a half years and dropped $20,000 in value so the house has been for sale for two and a half years and I, I believe it was it was late 1982 we got a letter for some friends and and they were raising money to go on a missions trip to India and they were several thousand dollars short, and they were asking for funds. And I felt the Holy Spirit tell me that we should send them a thousand dollars. Well, I told the Lord, I said, "I, I don't have a thousand dollars." How many of you know God actually knows what is in your bank account? I did have $1,000. In fact, I, I had $1,003.12. So I told Christy, I said, I'm, I'm feeling the Lord wants us to send our friends $1,000 for this missions trip. And uh, she said, well, I'll pray about it. And I said, well, what if we send them half now and half when the house sells? And and my wife, she's not here, so I, I can say this. I call her Holy Spirit Junior. <laughs> and she says, Do you want to sell half a house? I thought that over. I didn't exactly know what would happen to the other half. And so I said, No. And so we were in revival here in Lone Grove. David Robertson was pastor. And I didn't have anything booked for the next two weeks. The revivals had canceled. Time was off. We weren't going to have any income. Had nowhere to go. Didn't have a house to go to. And so while we were in revival here... I wrote out the check for $1,000. I put it in an envelope. I went up to the Lone Grove post office and mailed it. That was on a Thursday. Thursday night after church, we're over at the Robertson's house, the parsonage there. We were having dinner after church. Phone rang. It was a pastor that I knew, he knew me. I always thought he didn't like me. He just seemed mean around me. I just thought he was grumpy and cantankerous and didn't like young guys. And How he found me, I don't know. It was long before the days of cell phones. He called the parsonage and asked Dave, Is Rick there? This is 11 o'clock on a Thursday night. And David said, yeah, he's, he's right here. Handed me the phone. And this grumpy, cantankerous old pastor said, how soon can you start revival with me? I said, well, Sunday. He said, under one condition. I said, what's that? He said, you got to stay Sunday through Sunday. None of this three or four night thing. I want you here for the whole week. I had two open Sundays. Why not? I said yes. That was Thursday. Friday morning, I got a call from the realtor. Mr. Freeman, your house sold. I'm talking seed, time, and harvest. The next week, when we went to hold a revival with the grumpy old dude, it was one of the best revivals we had ever had. He was one of the kindest men that I had ever met. And they paid us more than what I would have made in four revivals for a whole month. About a month and a half later, I got a letter from our friends that were supposed to go to India that I'd sent them a thousand dollars. And in the letter was the check for a thousand dollars given back to me. They said we canceled the trip. Now that seed, and it was supposed to bring a harvest, wasn't any way in the world I was putting that back in the bank with the three dollars (laughs) and twelve cents. we mailed it to some other missionaries who were at that point missionaries in South Africa and planted that seed in their ministry. Little did I know my children are now missionaries in South Africa. Seed time and harvest. We got so many stories that are similar to that but every year as pastors at Life Fellowship, we planted 30% of the church income in missions. For every dollar that came in, 30 cents of that, a minimum, went to missions. It's seed time and harvest. It's worked, it works. Principle number three, some people have a spirit of poverty over them, their family, their finances, and their future. Now, you'll agree with me. You can look at it and you can see where poverty seems to cross generational lines. It seems like every generation, and every generation, the next generation, the family just continues on and on in poverty. If you don't teach the next generation how to sow, if you don't teach them how to plant, they will continue to operate under a spirit of poverty from generation to generation. My grandpa used to tell me how he tithed and how God provided. And I was just a kid, but I remember his teaching and I remember his stories. He was the first one to ever teach me that I should tithe on the gross. And this is what Grandpa said. Don't blame me. This is is Grandpa Mac. God should get his before the government gets theirs. My dad showed me how he sowed and what he planted. And I saw the results. I recognized the harvest. I lived in the harvest. Here's principle number four. Got to move on. The only way to break the spirit of poverty is through participating in the principle of seed time and harvest. I know it doesn't make sense, but I also know that it produces miracles. Now, in our home church, we had a a farmer there in Oklahoma City. He had been a, a fireman in Florida. And when he retired from the fire department, somebody in Florida convinced him that the way to get rich was to move to Oklahoma and grow wheat. I question the mental abilities of some Floridians. But his name was Charlie. Charlie. And one Sunday, Charlie heard my dad talking about life for the lost, and dad shared on how he could be a soul winner just by giving toward missions. And Charlie Charlie got all excited. He wanted to be a soul winner, and so he pledged $5,000. When Charlie got home, Mrs. Charlie was not a happy camper. Mrs. Charlie called my dad and she chewed him out royally they were in the hole as farmers he was trying to live on a fireman's pension how in the world did my dad have the audacity to ask him to pledge $5,000 well that was the year that they discovered oil on Charlie's farm. <laughs> At least the first well was oil, a second well was gas. There were a total of four wells on Charlie's property. Here's a prophetic word. Charlie wasn't broke anymore. My dad preached Charlie's funeral. Several years ago, Charlie's wife came up to my dad at the funeral and she asked him to forgive her for being so angry that Charlie gave money he didn't have to give. It's called seed time and harvest. And the way to break the spirit of poverty is to plant seed. Here's principle number five this morning. Just as some people have a spirit of poverty, there are other people have a spirit of greed. They cannot, they will not plant seed anywhere, anytime for any reason because it's their seed. They earned it, they worked for it, they invested for it, and nobody is going to take it away from them. I have lived my whole life in fear that God was going to ask me to give away everything I love. I'll never forget, we were on the evangelistic field, we'd come home to our home church for just for a Sunday that was off. We were visiting and they had a missionary. That week, somebody had had bought me a brand new pair of shoes. Again, it was back when, when oil was good in Oklahoma. They bought me a pair of lizard shoes. I'm talking fancy, sharp, best fitting pair of shoes I had ever had. I didn't want to take them off. And I wore them to that Sunday to hear the missionary. And the whole time the missionary was preaching, I kept looking down at my feet, saying, God, please don't. I just knew. I just knew God was going to require me to give him my new shoes. And finally I got to the point, I said, okay, Lord, I'll do it. I went up to the missionary after service, and I looked down. He needed no shoes. I looked at his shoes. I looked up at his face. I said, what size do you wear? He said, 11. I, I wear a nine. <laughs> and walked out with my shoes. The only way to break the spirit of greed is with seed time and harvest. If you ever get the feeling that you might be greedy, then simply start giving. Not out of leftovers, but out of your substance. And the cure for greed is guaranteed. We had not been at Life Fellowship for very long when I knew that we needed to expand building, but we had a problem. It was 1990, and and the church still owed $67,000. That's not a huge debt today. Some people pay more than that for their car, but back then, $67,000 was a pretty good-sized debt. And we were, we were servicing it okay, but still, I knew that before we did any other building and taken out any more debt, we needed to pay that off. And so I scheduled what we called a Miracle Sunday. And on that Sunday, I asked people to give 90% of their check and live on 10%. Now that's a bold, audacious thing for a new pastor, isn't it? I gave them several weeks so they could prepare for it and figure out how this is going to make this work. And we had a great miracle Sunday where everybody came. And I'm going to say that at least 85 or 90% of the people participated, they gave 90% of their pay for that week and lived on the 10%. It was funny, some of the comments. One lady said in her prayer time, she told the Lord, she said, God, that 10% sure isn't very much. She said, The Holy Spirit said, I know.
3: <laughs>
1: you know what? On that Sunday morning, around 100 people or so, they gave over the $67,000 that was needed. Debt was paid off. Just from people releasing that seed. We've learned the principle, we recognize our seed. Sometimes it's crazy faith, but we plant that seed. We sow. How many of you realize this morning there's a waiting period between sowing and harvesting? I reference back to the bean in the Dixie cup. There's a time in between. Principle number seven. Harvest time is work time. There's... This is going to catch some people off guard, I think. But when it's harvest season, it's work season. If you are a farmer or you were raised on a farm, you know what I'm talking about. You've planted the seed and the harvest has grown. I mean, the wheat crop is exceptional this year. Rain at the right time, sun at the right time. It is looking good. More bushels of wheat per acre than anything you've ever seen. But if all you do is sit on the back porch and rock in your chair and grin about how great the harvest is, you ain't got nothing. I mean, church people, they all want to shout and dance and everything when you talk about the harvest. But farmers know that when you say it's harvest time, that means it's time to work. Because somebody has to get the harvest in. Somebody has to go out in the field. Somebody has to do all of the reaping. And when you're sowing seed of finances, the chances are pretty good you're going to have to work for it. That means that when you're praying for a harvest, you can expect better jobs. Promotions, pay raises, bonuses, all of them are harvests, but uh, you got to work for it. You may be believing God for a better place to live. That's great, but you're going to be the one that has to move the stuff. I mean, the main reason we haven't moved out of Weatherford yet, it's stuff. I'm thinking about selling our house complete with attic stuff. A little bonus, you know. Buy this house, you get free attic stuff. (laughs) You may be believing for a better car to drive. Well, yeah, but that means you're going to have higher insurance and keeping it nice. All of that is included as well. It's going to be work. Seldom does God drop money from the sky. This is a word of wisdom for someone this morning. God will not help you with the lottery or the casino. But you plant seeds. God provides a harvest. I love this verse. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse 4, it says, Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. And if they watch every cloud, they will never harvest. So I've had people say, well, just as soon as we get the car paid off, we're going to pay tithe. No, you won't. Well, just as soon as I get that raise at work, we're going to pay tithe. No, you won't. Well, as soon as we get a better house and get our finances real, we're going to pay tithe. No, you won't. God has given you the time, the talent, the ideas, the passion to plant and harvest that will meet every need You have seed time and harvest. I'm going to close with this. You guys have been planting seed for a new pastor. You've been planting seed to see your church grow. You've been planting seed for God to bless this church. Now I'm telling you, it's going to require work. The new pastor is not gonna say everything you like, and you're not gonna like everything he says. I don't know your new pastor, I know nothing about him, know nothing about his life. I now know he has kids and dogs. (laughs) And after a 2,000 mile trip with kids and dogs, I'm gonna say the first three or four weeks of messages may have a tone of bitterness. possibility it's going to be work to love a new pastor just like it's going to be work for him to love new people that's why we stayed at Weatherford for 32 years I didn't want to break in new people (laughs) I was happy with the ones I had It's going to be a seed time and harvest. You're going to need to do some planting. Feelings, emotions, opinions, ideas to see a harvest of a pastor that will fall in love with you and care for you, watch out for you and reach this community. And you guys are in a, un- a unique position. I-, I said this last week. This is not just a Lone Grove church, this is a regional church. There are so many small towns all around here. You guys are really a bedroom community? I know you know that. There's a lot of people to be reached, a lot of people to be influenced. Going to need to be a lot of seed that's sown. And I will extend for you a thank you to this precious board. Thank you for your diligence. I hope it's brought you closer together. I hope it's caused you to seek God more than ever before. But you're gonna reap now a harvest of seeing family, friends, neighbors who come to know Christ to make Lone Grove a better church. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm I'm gonna quit. Still three more parts to this sermon, but we'll quit. Father, this morning, grateful, Lord, for my newfound friends here at Lone Grove. Grateful, Lord, for their eagerness, their heart to see their church be more than it is grateful, Lord, that they're willing to take a step of faith with the new pastor and his family. They're willing, Lord, to move and to get behind and to to follow him as he leads following you. I pray that, Lord, the, the next few weeks and months and years are going to be a season of harvest for the seed that has been planted even during this time And I pray that your people, Lord, will continue to plant seed over and over and over. Not everything you give them is for them. And Lord, they're going to plant that seed. They're going to release it from their hand. Whether it's time, whether it's energy, whether it's talent, whether it's passion, whether it's finances. They're going to plant that seed because they want to see a harvest that reaches their community. Granted, Father, we pray this morning in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Back in the lobby, there's a, I wrote a book uh, some 10 years ago. And it's called It's Only a Test. Uh, the premise is this. We have a bad habit of blaming the devil for everything. When the reality is the devil's not within a thousand miles of you. You know, lawnmower doesn't start. We blame the devil. The truth is the lawnmower set out in the rain and the snow for the last two years and has not had the gas changed or been started. It's not the devil. It's it's us. And so this looks at the 13 tests that Joseph went through. We shared a little bit about Joseph last week. But it's the 13 tests that he went through that were not of the devil that today we would have had a prayer meeting trying to cast it out. And it wasn't the devil at all. It was just a test. So anyway, they're $10. And if you are a digital person, as as I am, uh, I read everything on iPad um, you can go to rickfreeman.com, it's R-I-C, rickfreeman.com, and you can download a digital version of the book uh, absolutely free. So um, if you'd like that, I would appreciate it. You will enjoy the book. It's got the same weird humor that I have. No Stand with us this morning, please. I look forward to hearing great reports. It's what God is doing at Lone Grove. You missed a good time to say amen right there, okay? Father, go with your people. May they be blessed and anointed of you. As they plant seed, may they see the harvest. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you this morning.